0: We're back. We're here. We're queer. We're queer. We are the A and I Reviews Podcast.
1: Bum ba. A and I Reviews podcast. Let's it go and a t- <laughs>
0: You know, um at this point if you listen to the episodes up until this point and you've actually gotten to this point, um wow. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, you are, you are a trooper. Listen to two guys just kind of rant about music that you know for as long as we do for an hour. We've been doing it, we do it for an hour. The fucking things end up being an hour. If you listen to all of it, you are. I don't even listen you, to all you of
1: have it. Uh, <laughs> mental problems, probably. Yeah.
0: We do this as an outlet, you guys stay as a choice, but we appreciate anyone who is listening because your choice, too. We know there's not a lot of you,
1: so horrible, so awful in life than two fucking idiots on a couch.
0: Anyways. Anyways, so <laughs> this week. Now, who who did we start with last time? We It's been over a week since we've oh done yeah, one.
1: It was, uh, I had started because I remember how. Yeah, because it was vitriol. F- how fucking, that how was. fucking, like ha <laughs> ha pun vitriolic your
0: uh review was, r- was your
1: thinking. review was of the namesake vitriol
0: yeah it was I didn't it was funny because it was like word vomit I really didn't mean for it to be as scathing as it ended up being but oh, like yeah but like I couldn't <laughs> stop talking that way
1: <laughs> like it re- like at the time, I was a bit annoyed, but content-wise, it was fucking hilarious.
0: Yeah, it's and it it was funny, and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't
1: apologize.
0: It was funny. As long as you thought it was funny, but um, yeah. So I guess what are we talking about this week? This week we got two new albums on your face. This uh, we got two really good guitar albums. I gotta say, I think we both ended up choosing very g-
1: very good guitar albums i was
0: fucking shocked about the other
1: how good the guitar was gonna be yeah for the other one the,
0: the, the guitar yeah the guitar work <coughs> for for both albums was pretty great um so but this week we're starting with my review which was on polyphia's debut album muse 2014 Uh, th- i mean this is what started it all for polyphia as a band um they had some YouTube, you know, traction and people were anticipating their debut release because they were known as two very capable and proficient guitar players, Tim Henson and Scotty LePage. And then they have a drummer and a bass player that I guess has, uh, I guess, have also been with the band since its inception, since at least this album. And they're both named Clay, which is funny enough. So, it's Tim, <laughs> yeah, it's Tim, Scotty and double clay uh but
1: double clay special. it's the clayette. Yeah.
0: so they dropped this album muse and it's like this blend of you know 2010s pop mixed with some hip hop influences as far as like beats and and rhythms uh these like really candy major you know chord and chord and scale runs that Really just like encompass and just like encapsulate mm. the pop movement that was going on that time with bands like fits and the tantrums and stuff like that of all of that in the radio, and then mixing that with the you know the state of where hip hop beats and and production was, so it was combining the modern production of pop music and blending it in with these shredding very mathematical very thought out very proficient guitar harmonies and guitar you know lines and sequences that just really was came out and was released in a era that this was almost being revolutionized in modern music where you were getting you had this album coming out and then you also had uh, the joy of motion which was animals as leaders debut album came out you had a bunch of you know, these guitar guys on YouTube, like Rob Scallon and Jared Dye. Ste-
1: Stevie T. Stevie
0: T. Barry and all these guys. So it was like a huge resurgence for the popularity of guitar music, especially because of like how involved the social media aspects of it all were. And then uh, and I chose this album well, to review. Even like
1: Lucas Man to an extent.
0: Yeah. Well, the Pliny's uh. and. Wolfpex, Corey Wong, but Tim Henson was, and Scotty, well, Polyphia, I should say, uh, was one of the ones that was doing it in a way that kind of was almost aiming for mainstream appeal, where the other guys were more technical and like really staying true to their, you know, gatekeeping metal roots. Polyphia wasn't afraid to kind of blend in those pop elements that they knew that the metal community w- were going to and have in the past rejected.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, and it's funny that you mentioned like, the gatekeeping roots because, like, we even have, like, one of those type of guitarists on this record and Jason Richardson of Born of Osiris and uh, Chelsea Grant at that time. I mean, like, there is one of those, there is one of those personnel, but, like, <clears throat> this was kind of, like, slapping a face to those fucking idiots that want to gatekeep, like, the entire style.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and then you get other features, like, Nick Johnson on Champagne, and then Aaron Marshall of Intervals, you know, so they, they had a lot of... I think more than anything, they just had a lot of backing from all these different guitar artists or guitar bass bands that saw what they were doing and knew oh that it was something that was different from what everyone else's instrumental rock project was going to you know, end up being or was turning into. Because people were like, y- you know, with instrumental rock, it was either like you were doing these Yngwie style shred, you know, backing track, <laughs> backing track, you know, how do I say opuses? Yeah. Or uh or on the other hand you were, you know, you weren't going to keep up with the instrumental thing and you were going to end up being becoming a like a hardcore band or something like that or uh not hardcore but like a tech deck band tech death band. Um you were either doing Ying Wei
1: or at that time or at by this time you were doing something like uh Rings of Saturn. Yeah, exactly. Which is going back to what I was saying about Lucas Man. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But I think the Polyphia school of thought was mm-hmm. that they wanted their line, they wanted their music to be as melodic as they could possibly make it, while still retaining that flash and that flair that comes from their, you know, technique and uh, techniques and abilities. So with Muse, they combined all those elements into their first record and got what was you know still you could still hear those roots in in the uh the shred scene you know because they were still had like they were still focusing on distortion guitars and still like having these big <laughs> power chord um progressions that they were just jamming and soloing over like inclu- and featuring the you know the various guest artists um but as you know they would take this basis and then just go further down that rabbit hole to what they have become today and i think it's just cool looking back and knowing Where they had come from, yeah, (laughs) where they come from, and like what steps they took in order to get where they are now. Because I've seen them, and now it's like, you know, yeah, they still play some of that old stuff, but the new stuff is way more focused on creating atmosphere with these speed run, you know, riffs, but they don't do it with as much distortion. It's all like very clean, you know, clean guitars. There's a lot of finger picking and counterpoint melodies. Opposed to just doing the, you know, monotonal single note soloing, you know, now their thoughts are more like involved guitar hand wise, you know, and you can tell because Tim Henson has his own, you know, line of signature nylon string acoustics now, you know, say, so yeah. I didn't know really, that good on him. Yeah, I mean, and he's got like a couple signature Ibanez's and so does LePage. I, Honestly, LePage.
1: I, I've known about the uh, Ibanez.
0: Yeah. Well, they and the acoustics in Ibanez too, the nylon acoustic. Okay, in cool. Yeah, it's, a, it's an acoustic electric. <laughs> I cool. guess he really
1: likes Ibanez.
0: Yeah, I mean he's, and he's
1: Ibanez really likes him.
0: He's brand loyal for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just cool that now they're like w- known as like one of the forefront runners of the guitar scene of that era of this era even, you know. Oh, absolutely. You know their popularity. They're just with every album. They're just like you know breaking another barrier and they're doing very well at it. And you haven't no, I, seen this kind of guitar barrier breaking since like Van Halen, you know, stuff yeah, like I that. Yeah, I kinda
1: blame and I kinda blame them on like the continued uh like interest in like math rock. Yeah. Because uh like it's very obvious that like their roots are heavily
0: in math rock. Well, I mean, and now you're seeing like a whole new era of kids, who are sporting Tim Henson haircuts, who are wearing, you know, turtlenecks, playing Ibanez guitars with sweatpants and fuzzy sandals, you know, because you know they're looking at this guy and he's doing these incredible things, and they just want to be like either, he's, either he's the, the gu-
1: Ibanezes or the or they're using a Telecaster, and if they're using a Telecaster, uh, shut the fuck up because you're about to get your mind blown.
0: but you know so i think it's just cool what they developed Mm -hmm. into and this album i think is a good monument to where they had already where they already were early in their career because like it's not easy stuff that they're playing it's not like it's gotten any easier but it's it wasn't easy to get you know from the from the beginning how forward thinking they were as far as you know blending all these genres together to create this guitar ear candy odyssey that you know is full of experimental and you know very modernized production ideas uh blended in with like that classic big chord rock and roll style vibe you know and then being melodic as fuck I mean as much as I hear the the technical influence. I definitely hear the emotive influence too. Like I mean, you can hear that they love guitarists like Slash and uh, Stevie Ray Vaughn and and those guys because d- you know they're real hi- re- they're really hitting those bends and they're hitting those melodies. And then in between, they're just doing these speed runs that you know challenge Vi and. Joe Satriani, and Steve Vai actually got featured on their newest album. So they've broken into, like, every major guitar scene that they could I
1: did not know that. Holy shit. That's, like, that's, like, fucking going, like, full circle. Yeah. Like, going, like, beginning, being, like, an outcast to, like, that community. And now circling back and basically getting, having... One of the fucking best in his craft.
0: Yeah, and and they're you know they're not slowing down. So, yeah,
1: congrats on that, guys. You you deserve it.
0: You know they're not slowing down, and they uh, <clears throat> you know they're just they're 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 rival for like one of the most recognizable guitar icons of this era. You know. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I don't
1: have anything against.
0: Y- you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to think of other ones. Like, I mean off the top like you think Tosin Abasi or Misha Mansur you know but yeah. like i mean Tim Henson really created an identity for himself so like you know you know you see a kid who looks like Tim, H- Tim Henson you know that that's who he's going for you know yeah <laughs> so i don't know so as as far as uh, the album goes i think it's definitely this
1: wor- is a v- this is more approachable than like i don't uh, hear me out, this is a little bit more, like, if you're g- coming from, like, the old school, the old head school, this is more approachable because it isn't as weird as, like, later albums.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's not as weird, it's not as challenging, it's still, like I said, it's a lot of ear candy guitar lines, but the guitar lines are all super impressive and super well thought out, Um, even though it, you know, even for its pop appeal um and it gives you that good template and base to go dive deeper into their catalog and kind of realize what they were doing later on because now when you hear a song like goat you know it's like how did it's they completely get, different yeah, from what the anything it's, off of Muse. it's like how do you how did you get there but you know you can slowly see that progression when they release muse and then they went into uh the most hated ep um and i'm pretty sure and then there was one other album i forgot what it's called and then they released it released uh new levels new devils and that was with goat on it and so you know and they've been pushing boundaries ever since so uh as far as rating out of 10 i would give this album i give it an eight i love it i think it's cool uh you know it's it's for for guitar players, you guys, you know, will want to like listen to it back and forth, back, back to front. If you're uh, into, you know, shreddy slash meets Herman Lee style guitar solos, a lot of you know, ear candy like bends and big huge power chords, you're gonna like that. Um, to the average listener, I would say, you know, you could probably stick to like the, you know, the main like my m- main ones that I would suggest th- for people to listen to were like champagne which is a popular one they have a music video for that one and it's funny because in the music video they're so awkward because they're still so young and they have a, they're like they're like surrounded by a bunch of girls who are like like touching oh, them while they're playing guitar right. and then they're like in the back of a limo and all the girls are drinking champagne it's so cheesy but you know it's what they did and it, it it's it, it stamps where they you know where they're coming from and where, where they came from like they always had that celebrity flash kind of you know, idea when it came to what they wanted to do with their music. Um, so Champagne's a good one. Sweet tea is one of my favorite ones. And then uh James Franco is another popular one. That's one's that one's uh a fan favorite as well.
1: I don't remember any of the songs because they all kind of like <clears throat> like I, I just know like people that featured on this. Like as I said earlier, Jason Richardson is in one of these songs, and it was a pretty fucking Jason Richardson. Like was well, is a very good one, a very good guitarist. Uh, like if you were around YouTube at the time, to- by this time, you would uh, you would have heard. Especially in music YouTube, you would have heard his name at least once. Him and Luke Holland at that time uh, on the drumming side. Uh, So, I don't even fucking remember the song. I just remember it was once uh, Jason came in. It was very apparent (laughs) that he came Uh, in.
0: Aviator, that's another one of my favorites, too. It's got a cool... yeah. They were, they would, they were, I mean, a lot of what they did musically, at least guitar-wise, as far as the guitar tricks, were, like, a la Dimebag, a la Van Halen, but they just did it in a very more modern, pop-friendly way, so, yeah, anyway, what what's your rating on the album? 8,
1: 8.5, nah, 8, because...
0: We both, we both gave it the same rating, that's awesome. Yeah,
1: it's because, like, it's
0: it's good very good it's not like it's just that
1: it's not something i'm gonna put on all the time
0: yeah and it's not
1: like and i'm not gonna absolutely fucking like i'm gonna just immediately like skip it when i hear it it's polyphia it's good
0: yeah and it's it's not like a game changer album it's it definitely has the groundworks to what would end up being their Game Changer, like, songs and their Game Changer albums as far as, like, their performances and all that and what song, and the, how they write songs. But in it, it in itself is a pretty much, like, guitar nerd, guitar shreddy, like, you know, 2010s pop album. So, all right. But
1: now, speaking about Game Changers, honestly, and I didn't run this by hand. By you first I think this next album Is kind of a game changer
0: Well we will see Right As the discussion continues Bitch <laughs> bitch. Um, so today it- Would you like a shot Yes I whiskey? would like a shot We're gonna take shots of whiskey Cause we're degenerates We're de- degenerates, scum Urb <laughs> <laughs> Buddy. Skull. Skull. Boy. All right. (laughs) Now to the second half of the podcast.
1: Oh boy.
0: Where do you want to start, Ian? Where do you want to start? Today, we're talking about
1: Enterprise Earth, Death and Anthology, released uh,
0: just a couple weeks ago, right?
1: Yeah. barely like two weeks ago.
0: Yep. So it's brand new off of, where are they from? They're... They're a Southern California, band. I know they're, they got to be some local. No, Spokane, Washington. Spokane, Washington. Well, it's blow me fucking shits.
1: <laughs> but, uh, what's weird is that they originated in Spokane, Washington, but, like, there's no new, there's no current members anymore.
0: So, oh, you mean there's no,
1: no original c- members? No.
0: <laughs> dirt.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, there's always current members, Ian. In the bands, there's uh no the
1: bands original around. members anymore uh since uh, Dan left. Anyways, let's let let's fucking talk first about the band. Okay. Embrace is Earth. They're a deathcore band from Spokane Washington. Uh they were started by Dan Watson of Infinite Annihilator and BJ Sampson of Takeover. I Don't know TakeOver too well. So don't 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 at me, bro. Uh but I definitely know Infinite Annihilator. He this one definitely knows about Infinite Annihilator too. We both think the ba- Infinite Annihilator is fucking insane.
0: Infinite Annihilator is insane.
1: Maybe may we may cover
0: them. That's up to you. I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm gonna pick an Anthem, Infinite, or one.
1: Uh, they formed in the in like mid 2014, and at the uh, begin, which was some pretty interesting thing that I'm reading from the Wikipedia page, is that at the beginning of the spring, the band finalized their deal. With Attila frontman Chris Fronczak. And moved to his record label T-Sec Recordings. Interesting.
0: So interesting.
1: Yeah. But yeah, back to what I was saying. There's no original members left. So now the uh the fucking personnel is Gabe Marigold. Our boy, Brandon Zaki.
0: Brandon Zaki. Shout out to Brandon.
1: Uh, Travis Warland and, Toto, and Dakota Johnson. Uh, Travis Warland is, is uh, replacing the and Annihilator vocalist Dan Watson. And honestly, honestly, <laughs> I fucking feel like he's better I feel like Travis Warland is a really fucking good uh, replacement because good God,
0: are these vocals amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the the vocals on this album are really good uh, because he does a lot of blending of, you know, clean and harsh vocals. But then with between those. Two different styles in their own. He does a bunch of different subcategories of each style. So he does like a bunch of subs of harsh vocals, and he also does a bunch of subcategories of uh, clean vocals. He's
1: very. Un- he has a very unique tone too. Yeah, like he doesn't sound like a lot of other vocalists.
0: No, no he's and it's, it makes it. It gives the band a personality. And wanna uh, to elaborate on what I'm saying about uh you know the different subcategories of vocal styles. With his clean tones. He'll go from one song having almost like a butt rock, like creed almost kind of style to the next one or to the next okay. song having like a screamo style like yeah. vocal style or vocally vocal line.
1: Very much emo core or like or like, yeah, screamo. Like stuff like under under oath and uh the number twelve looks like you follow Troy yeah. type stuff type uh, tonalities but what with I, it, like a lot more grit
0: yeah and what I think is really interesting is that they'll throw in passages of those kind of vocal stylings with that kind of you know music behind it and then they'll go straight into like one of the most intense gutturals or you know deep. He's got a
1: very awesome guttural that yeah, like I was. deep that you'll ever hear. I, I, they're not deep it's just that they're meaty.
0: Know, that one was like
1: yeah, this is like they're meaty. They're, they meaty. So they're meaty. They're very full, which is uh, something you like. You only re like in most deathcore. You really only see it be like, uh, like like this, really like constricted tone. Usually, if it like if you were like a, a good example is like fucking Whitechapel. Yeah. Like it's a very like low it's way lower than like this. It feels like this feels like more like a mid tone when he's doing his gutturals. Not putting it down. I saw. I think no, it yeah, fucking no, sounds I, incredible. I know, I know
0: what you're saying, but I think there's a couple low notes that he hits in there. It's not like he's always on his low, but like definitely like there's some lows in there that I hear like before a breakdown or during like a <coughs> uh a, yeah during like a halftime break um that get pretty down there for you know not the lowest thing i've heard but definitely he can mm. get down there and i think he's
1: there's a couple features on that album that are lower than he where they go lower than him
0: That's true the Travis features really low I think that's not that my actually be the one that i'm thinking of No
1: Travis it, Travis is Travis Ryan was in this? No.
0: No. The other Travis. What, what's his, what was his name? You were just saying his name. Darius. Darius. Sorry. Darius Tarani I, yeah.
1: of Spite was in this. I've, if you guys know me, at RL, you know how much I fucking love Spite. And uh, when I saw that he was on this, I was like, oh, okay, I'm coming today.
0: <laughs>
1: and not only that, but in the other feature of this album. They have my boy Ben Dwar of Shadow of Intent. Oh, and hell
0: yeah. Shadow of Intent's dope. That's the <clears throat> Halo-themed tech death band.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fucking. Ben Benny Boy is a fucking beast. He's always going to make his song sound fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah. Let's talk about this album. Let's talk. Let's talk. I
0: thought that's what we were doing. About this album.
1: But even more so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking. What the fuck. Like. This album switches styles so fucking smoothly and so fucking
0: and so Clean much, light. yeah and so constantly too like you are getting like, tech death to deathcore the first fucking
1: song has l- it's like the
0: metalcore
1: the first fucking song is like mathcore
0: math core. Ma- yeah it starts mathcore it's yeah it's weird because you start with like mathcore style riffings and then like by the last song you're ending with these big emo ballads it's it's so weird it's but such but the a way it, weird but the album. Way it got there makes you you know you don't even it's it makes it so seamless Know? And then you have songs like, uh, what, Casket of Rust, where you're straight up oh having a-, a Fucking dog. Aven- it's, it's an Avenged Sevenfold song. It's what I wish Avenged Sevenfold sounded like right now.
1: And, like, that song, too, like, it, you don't, like, you say that, we say that it's, like, a, almost like an Avenged Sevenfold song. That song, too, does not t- stay- the same throughout the entire s- song. It, like, yeah. it almost goes, like, after, like, the event several part, it goes into, like, fucking, like, Black and Deathcore. Yeah, it's And great. then, by the end, it's, like, it's, by the end, it's a fucking, it's a, almost a fucking Einstein Kills song.
0: Yeah, and then you have, like, Accelerated Demise, which, like, which, which, which like, it's a blend of, like, I, it's a blend of, like,
1: like, Southern sh- Rock.
0: Well, dude, so it's like Motorhead meets Archspire meets meets uh fuck, I had one other band and I lost my train of thought. There's
1: time. like parts of that like da na, na yeah. the
0: like when like you
1: can like
0: during the Oh like meets Molly Cru. So like like <laughs> like Motorhead meets Archspire meets Molly Crew.
1: The lick that like is the like the first major riff in that song. Almost gives me like psychoptic vibes.
0: For sure, for sure, I can hear that. It's got that wild. It's got that
1: it. very. It's got that very clean. Like that very
0: clean. Like yeah, clean but untamed. Yeah, I'm. Just, I was just. I'm
1: just impressed with this album. Yeah,
0: it's. It is impressive. It's. It's. I don't know how far it's going to reach, just because I don't know what like. How many people like know about this band?
1: Oh, people know Enterprise Earth. Okay. This is this was. I think people very 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 highly anticipated. Yeah,
0: but I think I think there should be, yeah, it it should get more traction than I think it already has been. But I mean, time will tell. Time will you know time will show it's worth. It's a great album and it's a really good guitar album too. Speaking of guitar albums, you like these guys are obviously channeling. Um, one guitarist, dime, by the way, like one guitarist. Yeah, he's, he's channeling like Dimebag. He's channeling Van Halen. He's channeling uh, Alexi Laiho. You know, just like all these classic. Rest in peace, yeah, father. Rest in peace. All these like classic metal guitarists, metal and rock guitar players, and playing lines so similar yet so unique. It's and then he harmonizes with himself. Fucking. Beautifully, and that's where you get those Avenged Seven. Perfect, a perfect Avenged Seven f- Fold style. <laughs> a per, a, like
1: Nick. as we're gonna go back to that Casket of Rust. Yeah. Casket of Rust is probably one of the more, is probably the most unique sounding deathcore song we've I've heard in recent years. Like I feel like this, it could be the most unique song for deathcore. Since fucking, uh, since fucking, uh, You Only live Once by Suicide Silence. And, uh, you, you, that probably doesn't ring a bell, I'm gonna right?
0: I mean, I know Suicide Silence, I don't know that song. I'm sure. I'm gonna have
1: to sell you that song then. Yeah. Because, uh. Yeah. I
0: bet, like, most people who listen to this podcast are like, dude, there's Ian that knows all of his shit, and then that guy next to him is just a fucking poser. <laughs> fucking poser. And you're not wrong. I mean, I, p- I picked a Chris Stapleton album, like, week three. God, that was funny. <laughs> that was, as Ian put it, agony. Anyway.
1: I, I was about to make a joke that probably would have gotten me canceled. <laughs> Yeah, fucking. Why you have to? What do you think?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. That's what you asked. That it was funny. Um, what do you what do I think? I think it's a. I think that it's a very well produced album. Very good production. Uh, although I think uh brandon Zackey's a really great drummer and i've seen him play with white and sicarius um i think that this was we we already established this was recorded before he started playing with white right yes this yeah. was
1: recorded and, way before
0: and i can tell because when i see him live and when i've heard him play live like he's definitely not the same drummer as he is on this album. I think this album, it shows his chops, but creatively, I feel like, now that he's kind of got all these tours under Not his belt. Not putting you
1: down, brother. Yeah, You're yeah. fucking, no, no. That, you're the I'm, fucking I'm, best. I'm
0: building him up, if anything, because now that he's got all these tours under his belt, and when he, the next, you do, dude- at, at his next project, when he, you know, or his next album with Enterprise Earth ha- comes around, he is going to be, he's already amazing but he's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. It's going to be unmatched.
1: He like, uh, he's definitely going to be the, uh, something to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, no, he's, and he's been playing around enough with enough bands to where it's like, I've, I've already like known of him and like heard about him. And then he started playing with white chapel. And it's like, okay, now he's getting some like real name recognition within the scene. Uh, so it's only going to go up for, from here for him yeah uh but yeah i think if if there's anything i had i had to complain about it would be some of the production and i know that this is like self-produced for the most part like 50 50 maybe somewhere around there roughly yeah roughly because it 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 does sound feel like it at points um not to the extent where it like sounds bad but just choices that you can tell were made by intermediates and not professionals Just as far as tone-wise, like, the performances are all fucking spot-on. Like, they are all, like, there's not a note out of place. Every line's really clean. It's more on, like, the production side where I'm like, okay, like, the drums could have been lower-tuned or the trigger could have been not as present as the actual drum being recorded. Uh, You know, there could have been an extra layer of padding on some of the places The vocals could have been a little wetter. The vocals could have been a little drier. And it might be a preference thing, but I do think that there's like when I'm talking about it, there's like a merit. Not saying that my opinion matters more than others, but I'm just coming from like the school of like, all right, this is like what creates a good soundscape and what really creates a well constructed and well. Well knotted uh, produced track. So, that that's what I'm coming from. So, I, I don't think the songwriting's bad at all. I wouldn't change anything no, about the No, I think the
1: songwriting is the strongest aspect yeah, of I, the I, I entire would, record. I wouldn't change
0: anything about the songwriting. I would strictly... I think the production needed to be... Or could like, I, I, could, I, I don't think it needed to be. I, think, really I well. think it could have benefited from being a bit bigger. But I get it. They don't have the budget that a lot of these bands do, so they don't have those kind of... They
1: definitely... Have the capability to get to that level. No,
0: they will. And seeing what they've kind of teased in this album, and like as far as like content and idea wise, I don't think we're gonna have anything to worry about. Enterprise Earth's follow up to this being like this times ten. Like they've got this under their belt. Zachy's got a bunch of tours under their belt. They're gonna. I hopefully Enterprise Earth goes on the road soon. That'd be
1: they are planning something if i remember correctly yeah because uh it's all it's obvious because they are a uh, they are a touring band they come from that same school that all like all these mo- other modern uh death car bands are coming from like stuff guys like uh sounds of swarm and uh <clears throat> mental cruelty the
0: less goes on and on yeah anyway that all being said um yeah it's a great album i think that it's uh progressive enough to where someone who likes the flashy and the intricate you know musical ideas will you know have their nut busted A little bit, (laughs) and uh, and I think, but I think it's still accessible enough to where like the average metal metal or hardcore fan could still get into it. Yeah, you know, even though they have like seven minute long songs on some of them. One, okay, whatever. But (laughs) but still, you know, I think I think that it's still worth getting into. Um, If you're not a metal fan, I think that. It still, like, has appeal. I mean, what I thought was pretty cool, especially on, uh, what was it, Accelerated Demise, where they ended with the Eruption Van Halen passage. You know, I, it, I knew
1: you were going to like that. Well, shit. I
0: liked it, and not only did I like it, but I think it, it kind of gives the whole project a, a little lightheartedness to where it's like, all right, we don't always take ourselves so seriously. You know, we can do these kind of, like, goofy things. Oh, well, I mean, like,
1: they... They take themselves. They seriously. were fucking formed by a, by like the vocalist of a main band.
0: Yeah. So, but I mean, they still kept that spirit in it, even though he's gone. So I think that in in that sense, that it's cool that they they are able to poke fun at what they're doing, or you know, make a joke at their own expense, but still make it like well you know well played well well executed enough to where it's still very impressive like i mean the line that he includes it in is a very impressive guitar run so it's not like i can talk shit and say like oh like that was just a joke and it's like or that was just stupid like it was a joke but it was like in context it was
1: it, it was more good. like a uh it was more like a nod than a wink
0: yeah exactly exactly i like the way you put that it's more than a nod than a wink um so that all being said, I think I would give this album. Yeah, I think I, I give this one an eight too. This is a solid eight album. Like just like production wise, I think that there could have been more done for some of the tracks, um, but the songwriting's all there. The performances are all there. Uh, Brandon Zachy really showcases what you know, what he is capable of, and I know that he is capable of also so much more because I've seen him do it. So I'm excited to hear what Enterprise Earth comes out with next.
1: Indeed. Uh on that on that fucking note, I I'll honestly give this an eight but unlike uh this is something I do see myself listening to more.
0: I see myself going back to tracks on this more. Like I as yeah. a as a as a whole like as a whole
1: a really, really hot. This is like a really highly praised eight.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um I think as a whole the the album for me kind of isn't as I wouldn't, I I guess, It isn't as It isn't as much a like I don't feel like as it's, it's as much of a congruent like It's
1: not like it's not like fucking uh it's not like Cancer Christ.
0: No, it's not like an album where like every track at like puts you to in another place of the story. For me, at least, like I feel like every track has its own personality, almost. Yeah, you know, so it's not it's not as uh, cohesive, is the word I'm looking right. for. It's not as like cohesive. these
1: all the all these songs feel like they're standouts. Yeah, they st- what's like. I don't know if this was supposed to be a uh, a concept album, yeah. like when it makes me think it was supposed to be with the the name it has.
0: Yeah, but I mean, with all the tongue in cheekness within it, and like just like the inconsistency in in tone and and feel, and the uh, you know the like we were saying how it's kind of uncohesive, how it's. Each track stands out on its own. It almost feels like a compilation of ideas that they've been sitting on for a while that they needed to record, that they needed to get out to show like, all right, this is what this band is. This is what this band is capable of now in its current iteration. And the next time that they go into the studio, they're going to take what they... It's actually funny because we always kind of end up having parallel, you know, album's that parallel, because I feel like this album for the current iteration of Enterprise Earth is exactly what Muse was to Prolifia when they came out with that. It teases their capabilities and what... Okay, they, uh, I can see. I can see know? what and you're talking yeah, about it here. it teases and their capabilities and what they're going to end up, you know, developing on like the kind of ideas they're going to develop on but they're going to formulate them more and then they're gonna come out with something that's different than this album because I feel like this album's like, you know, just kind of a platform for them to jump off of. So whatever comes out i to ab- be very curious
1: that, to see what comes next Yeah, from whatever
0: them. whatever comes next, it's gonna be whatever comes next for Enterprise Earth, it's gonna be different for this from this album, but it's also But how different but it's also, it's gonna be? But it's also going to be very influenced by the same ideas that came from this album. Which is what happened with Muse and Polyphia.
1: I can see that as well. You know what I mean? I can see that as well. Like, there
0: are hints of
1: that experimentation.
0: Yeah. They're trying things. You know, they're trying things. They're not necessarily, like, throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. But they're trying ideas and concepts and blending different things. And I think the next time that they come out, they're going to have a better idea of what they're going to be able that, that to enterprise tell earth sound a full is,
1: story
0: yeah they'll be able to tell a full story e, maybe in,
1: not we, if not next album definitely next day album but after well
0: well with this musical character like tell a story with this musical character that is enterprise earth like that's these musical characteristics that make up what is enterprise earth you know so, yeah so so all right so eights all around it this today yeah we got we got four eights we got four eight that's a good sign that's that's harmony with better the, than uh your better th-
1: than lust.
0: <laughs> well that's your thoughts are in harmony with the universe and and all that chakra shit so um it's
1: pretty gay.
0: anywho Great ass, yo. Let's <laughs> cut that out. G A Y, great ass, yo.
1: Great ass, yo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, like I
1: did begin this fucking episode by
0: saying queer. <laughs> yeah. Um Uh, so I mean, Uh, any releases coming out this week anything that you want to talk about
1: I'd like to talk about uh, I don't even know why this like stuck out to me so much but uh, on Slam Worldwide about 10 days ago uh, that is on February 6th 2024 uh, a ba- a band called Summoning Beyond the Grave released a single song demo called Eternal Execution. This song literally reminds me of, of like a combination of uh, like some just a of a death metal band mixed in with Bela Gore. And me I've been wanting more belfagor lately. So if you like belfagor mixed in with Brutal Death Metal, check, check out this demo. They this is very promising stuff. Hell yeah. Hell yeah.
0: Alright. Um I think it's
1: We're also uh we're also We are also at least I am very greatly anticipating probably the biggest release up next to the fucking Judas the upcoming Judas Priest album. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the new a Cowboy.
0: That's right. That That comes out next week.
1: 26, I believe
0: motherfucker
1: which uh if you don't think that we're gonna re- we're not gonna reveal that shit you're gr- very gravely mistaken i'm definitely gonna Glamily
0: mistaken we're
1: gleam you're gleamingly mistaken you are ass fucked you are blown around in the bone zone of the uh Dickie dying soul.
0: you are licking. Satan's taint.
1: You are fist-fucking-God's planet. Anyways, what do you have?
0: Um... Not much. Uh, Tool played last night. So, I didn't get to go see that. My girlfriend's mom boyfriend was selling two tickets for $500 a piece. So couldn't go see that show but, but that was killer uh i think the ween show that i was talking about passed i know the chili peppers are coming to Yamava. um green day announced the savior's tour so go check that out they got dates and if you're in california they got dates at sofi and they got dates at petco park foo fighters are coming to the bmo banks uh the bmo stadium in august i believe so that'll be cool. They're playing with Josh Freeze now. Uh, I haven't heard any reviews about the show yet, but knowing Dave Grohl and the boys, you know, they're keeping it up and uh I'm sure that there's going to be a whole tear-jerking segment where they're just honoring Taylor Hawkins and <laughs> uh you know, I am I'm I'm ready for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Either this week or the next week uh it's going to be like a, a big old fucking like like local black metal, uh, this like meet-up. Oh, hell be- yeah. Because, uh, Sam Morningstar, his own band, is going to be releasing something. I'm curious to, because I w- kind of want to get back and get back, like, embedded into the scene a bit. Like, uh, we tried, I, we tried to do that. This week with Sicarius.
0: Yeah, that would have been a sick show to go to. I'm sorry. God I make damn. Yeah, we'll, I, we'll
1: we'll catch them next yeah. time.
0: It just sucks that it was at the 1722 because that's such a cool venue to see some bands. It would have been cool to see them there, but it was
1: gonna be a it was it's a free show too. That would have been fucking fun.
0: We'll get them next time. Yeah. I was I was too tired that day. I'm sorry, bud.
1: No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, we so love you. We love all y'all.
0: We love all y'all. All right, guys. Well, I think that's it for this episode's A&I reviews. So thank you guys so much. I I, I don't. I think we got to change that thing that we say at the end. Like, I'm the A. We get
1: drunk and we get drunker and we fuck it. Pussy. Yeah, that's
0: pretty much the rest of the night now. It's just us getting drunk and laughing. and Swells. Whatever that was. <laughs> Whatever that was. (laughs) Alright, I'm Austin.
1: Fuck you too, Mad.
0: And we'll talk to you later. At you later. Talk at you later. Metal. Bro!